and we're back here on the Monster Cast. I haven't had an episode in a long time, but I felt like I couldn't pass this one up. AEW versus NXT. First ever live head-to-head on Wednesday night. This past Wednesday night, obviously. Um, A lot of people were doing the old school Raw and Nitro flipping back and forth. Some people were recording one so they didn't miss anything and then watch it later. Like I, I have Hulu with live uh, TV, so I work third shift. I woke up early enough to watch the AEW show live and uh, was uh, pretty impressed overall, considering it was their first live TV show, um, and saved NXT for the morning when I got home after work. All right, so before we get into that, though, of course, since I am recording this on Saturday, um, last night, Friday Night Smackdown's season premiere, everyone is talking about the whole Kofi Kingston getting squashed in I don't even know if it was 20 seconds, but basically one move. It was insane. Um, Incredible, incredible disservice to Kofi and what he has done. Not just over the past six months as champion, but in his whole career. Ridiculous. I'm so sick of seeing Brock Lesnar destroy all these people so fast. It's mind-boggling that you treat your performers who are there day in and day out doing house shows and appearances and signings and comic cons and all this other stuff um keeping up with their wwe twitters um doing side shows on the wwe network and this is how you repay them by squashing them with brock lesnar Um, I don't have a problem with Brock Lesnar going over, especially since we all know that Fox is now running the show, basically. Because WWE wanted that cash grab, and now they're going to pay for it because Fox, who knows nothing about wrestling, just like back in the day when TNT knew nothing about wrestling and tried to take over WCW and it all went downhill, the same thing is probably going to happen here. Um, I don't see the partnership lasting all five years. I could be wrong, obviously, but I don't think it's going to last all five years because Fox is the same network that canceled Family Guy twice, all right? They canceled Firefly after after one season. So this is who we're putting it into into grips with. Like, we're putting it in their hands. This is the people you want running your show, which is now possibly, if everything went well, would turn into the A show rating-wise for WWE because more people have Fox than they have USA, which still is mind-boggling that there's people out there that don't have the USA Network. Um, But yes, Fox is one of the four major companies on broadcast television, of course, so they have the most eyes available to watch their product. But Fox also likes to pull the trigger early and get rid of shows that they won't let develop. So here's an already developed show. Let's see how we can screw this up. Well, night one, you found out a great way because you squashed the champion that's been champion for six months and won it at WrestleMania against Daniel Bryan, who also had to go through the same thing, albeit 
under different circumstances as he was the heel at WrestleMania when he lost to Sheamus. I believe he was the heel. Because he was with AJ. Um, if not, he was definitely a tweener. Um, but he had the kiss to AJ and wasn't ready, so he had that to fall back on storyline-wise. And then, of course, the next night, everybody went insane for Daniel Bryan and gave him the biggest push, and the rest is history. Kofi, we already did that, too. Kofi had the insane Elimination Chamber um, outing where he was just fired up and everybody was into Kofi and everybody's like oh shit I want to see Kofi against Daniel Bryan at Wrestlemania and they push forward and they push forward and they push forward the fans wouldn't wouldn't uh, not be heard by WWE management and they got their wish and he won and he's had the title for six months so he's not going to get that same push next Friday or Monday or whenever the hell they're going to do this draft um, so it's not the same concept Owens he lost to Goldberg in quick fashion, but he had the storyline to blame Jericho to bounce off of when he came back. Um, it's just, which was one of the best storylines of the last five to ten years was the Jericho Owens. Hilarious, really good stuff. Um, so, Kofi has none of those things to fall back on. None. He gets to go back with the New Day. Um, possibly move to Raw during the draft, who knows. Um... Possibly New Day gets split up. Any of these situations, I am not down for as a fan. Um, I am really tired of getting to see guys finally get their shot. And Kofi had his shot longer than most. Um, as far as the reign with the title, six months is a pretty long time. But guys like Dolph Ziggler, guys like Jack Swagger, or Jake Hager now, as we know him, his real name. Um, Jinder Mahal. Um, the Miz even these guys win the world title they have it for a short amount of time they lose the world title and then you never see them in the world title picture again not in a way that makes you believe that they had a chance to win it and I believe this is why the Attitude Era was so revered in its day and that's because you legitimately legitimately easy for me to say, had anywhere from 7 to 10 guys in the main event that could win the world title at any given time, and you believed that they had a legitimate chance to win the world title if they were put in the world title match. And right now, you do not have that. Um, and that is one of the many reasons why, because you just throw them back into the, into the pile and shuffle the deck, and then they never get seen or heard from in the main event picture again. Um, case in point, you had Kane, Undertaker, Kurt Angle, Stone Cold, Rock, Jericho. That's six right there off the top of my head. Six. Then you still have Triple H. You still have Shawn Michaels. You still have um, Big Show. I mean, easily easily and then obviously Benoit that's 10 I, that's gotta be 10 right there just off the top of my head easy peasy 10 any given moment could win the world title at any time just put him in the match then they occasionally gave the pushes 
to the mid-card guys that were really popular, that you didn't know if they had a chance or not, or probably didn't think they did, and then they pushed them like they really did, like the Jeff Hardy Undertaker ladder match on Raw. Everyone thought that Jeff Hardy had no chance going into that match, and then coming out of that match, there were people cheering so hard for Jeff Hardy, me included, thinking he had a legit shot, and part of that was the help of JR, of course, thank you JR, for that amazing call on the match, but he made you believe, and the two competitors in the ring made you believe that Jeff Hardy had a legitimate chance to win the world title, and it was true. He eventually ended up winning the world title many years later, as did Edge, um, and then, of course, here's the difference. When when these guys get the world title, like Jeff Hardy and Edge did, they stayed around the main event scene. I think Jeff Hardy won it twice. Not sure. But he also won it in TNA when he went because he was still a big star when he went to TNA. Edge stayed up there forever. He was... I want to say he was definitely double-digit world champion. Um, Randy Orton stayed up there. John Cena obviously stayed up there. Batista stayed up there. But nowadays, in this, uh, I don't even know what era they call it now, but this era that we're currently in, that just doesn't happen anymore. It's quite ridiculous to see because you can't really get behind anybody and you can't take anybody seriously if they ever do get a world title match again. So I'm set here with my Cascade Crash, ready to dive into this. Um, episode. And uh, been looking forward to this one actually. I um, think I was looking more forward, or forward to it more rather, after the results of it came out um, and how everything turned out. Um, let's see. I'm going to go to my notes. Because I have a couple items I want to get to. Let's see what we got going on here. Alright, so... So obviously we all know by now that AEW and NXT... They um, went head-to-head for the first time... On Wednesday. And currently it is Saturday, so... I'm a little late, but... I was going to record it this podcast yesterday, but... Didn't get a chance to, as I am still... Unpacking and getting things situated in my new house. So that's always fun. But uh, I did have to, and I wanted to rewatch both shows again just to make sure I got all my bases covered. Um, so I watched both shows twice. Um, I only watched AEW Live when it first aired, the very first episode. They played it back to back on Hulu Live. With live TV, anyway, they played it back to back. Um. So yeah, AEW won round one. Um, in pretty much a landslide. Um, as far as the rating goes, and I feel. Um, and there are people out there that disagree, and I don't know if those people have worse eyes than I do, but there are people out there that think the NXT show was better than the AEW show. I think they're living prisoner of the moment type deal from the first match alone because, yes, the match of the night on both shows 
no mistake about it, was Matt Riddle versus Adam Cole. That was the best match over both shows. However, from top to bottom for a show, AEW destroyed NXT, in my opinion. It wasn't even close. Um, After that first match on NXT with Riddle and Cole for the world title, of course, they had Finn Balor come back. And Finn Balor made his way back to the shock of everyone. And it wasn't even enough to get me to change over to NXT when I read it. So I am a little biased here as far as um, the fact that I didn't get to see it live. Maybe that would have changed my mind. Maybe it would have been like a holy shit moment for me, obviously, because, you know, I do love Finn Balor. Let's not, let's, don't get me wrong here, but um, it was a great surprise. It's a great move on WWE's part. Um, but it wasn't enough to get the people to change over. And that should tell you everything you need to know about a couple things. One, about how hard WWE is trying to already snuff AEW out as soon as they begin. And uh, two, I guess, what they think of Finn Balor. Unless Finn Balor wanted to do this, of course, because, you know, he was... Um, wanting the two-month thing off. I don't even know if he took a whole two months. It doesn't feel like he did. He might have. Um, I know he got married, and that was pretty cool. And uh, maybe he just wanted to be in NXT because they tape at full sale every week or film at full sale every week live. Um, And maybe he just wanted to have one location so he could recharge his batteries continuously and uh, not travel as much. Who knows? I mean, they still travel in NXT, but it's not nearly as much, obviously. Um, So I thought those two things popped into my head as soon as I saw that he came over. Um, Also, uh, the fact that it wasn't enough to get me to change over, like I said, should tell you everything you need to know about my stance on the AEW versus WWE products. I don't think that we can still say that NXT is a developmental brand and part of the part of them is let's let's make that clear part of them is because it's where the performance center is and all the people that aren't on aren't on TV are in the dark matches they are definitely in developmental stage and I'm sure that Finn Balor and they bring anybody else will definitely help those younger guys even move faster along i think Shawn michaels triple h matt bloom have done amazing job um sarah del rey of course with the ladies um but as far as the hour-long tv session weekly that goes live that i don't think can um any longer be considered developmental It is a brand. So NXT is a brand. And when they go on the road for their dark matches and house shows or live shows or whatever you want to call them, then it's a developmental brand and a way to elevate and teach their younger guys or their new signees, the WWE way or whatever you want to call it. But this is for sure a third brand. Um when they go live on Wednesday nights. And of course, AEW, this is their only live show, and it is definitely not a developmental brand. Um, 
and I just believe that they destroyed their competition, which was NXT, uh, in week one. And the ratings suggested that I am correct. Um, but before we go into the ratings, um, I got some nitpicks from both shows. Um, nitpicks um, from AEW's standpoint, the commercials. Holy fuck, how many commercials could you possibly have? Um, I said this on Twitter. It felt like I was watching an episode of The Walking Dead. That's how many commercial breaks they had. It was insane. And a couple times, yes, they had it where it was the picture-in-picture so you could still see what was going on. And sometimes Jim Ross would say that they're going to go to picture-in-picture, and then they didn't when they went to commercials. So they uh, obviously, they kind of iron out all the kinks. I mean, I'm not saying they should have been perfect on their first show. Obviously, it's shit's going to go down. That doesn't go your way. Hiccups here and there. Uh, it just happens with live TV. There's no getting away from it. Uh, but yeah, it was super weird um, how many commercial breaks they had. And I guess they're getting money from all those sponsors that want to film during or want to show their ads during their stuff. And um, I had somebody tell me on Twitter that TNT is known for being a huge ad revenue based channel so I don't think that the commercial breaks are a thing that's going to change anytime soon but hopefully AEW can do a better job at um, knowing when those commercial breaks are going to come so that they can plan their um, show better around it in the future I think the camera work was a lot better in AEW this time around Um, a lot of their pay-per-views that I've uh, purchased and I've purchased all of them so far except for Fight for the Fallen which I was at live which was amazing um as far as their camera work goes their tv camera work was far beyond better than a lot of their pay-per-view stuff because a lot of their pay-per-view stuff they cut at weird times and you miss stuff um and it gets quite annoying actually but uh tv at the tv um live showing on wednesday for AEW dynamite i think they did a great job they had um, this fantastic camera angle that was underneath the middle rope, I believe. And I thought they had a couple good shots from that when they were doing the replays and stuff. It was pretty awesome. Uh, also, gotta say, that's not really a nitpick, obviously, because this is a going down in the good column. Um, the sound of Tony Giovanni and Jim Ross' voice literally brought a smile to my face like like a fucking the biggest nerd of all time um couldn't stop smiling when I heard Tony Giovanni get on there and do his thing it was awesome they used him a lot they used him in uh, a lot of interview segments too and then of course they had him in the video packages with Cody and stuff like that and uh also on the broadcast announced team so they still know that Tony still has what it takes to get the job done and him and Jim Ross were really fucking good. Excalibur, who I've always liked because I used to watch PWG all the time, um, is really good. Excalibur is awesome, but I still feel like he's not totally comfortable. And case in point being, Jim Ross, they had a um, shot of all three of them while they were talking on screen, and Jim Ross was setting up Excalibur for the women's title match. 
and he asked him what his thoughts were and all Excalibur did was pause for a second and then talk about the match coming up which was the women's title match he didn't actually give any opinion on the match at all he just gave you straight facts about um, the match coming up and how they got there and all this other stuff or whatever and shot to a video package uh, which was super weird to me like he asked you your opinion and then you completely ignored it and I don't know if he froze up or what but I just feel like he's not completely used to the live environment yet but I do believe he will get there he's definitely better than the other people they've had up there with Jim Ross and him so we can only go up from there and we have so that's good but listening to Tony and Jim Ross and Excalibur every week is going to be awesome I think the only announcer in the game right now that's better is uh, Mauro from NXT obviously um Speaking of NXT announcers, Beth Phoenix. Oh my God. Jesus Christ. I mean, I love Beth Phoenix as a performer, wrestler. She wasn't even a terrible uh, promo, but on the announce team, Jesus, what is happening? I, one, I don't know if she's not, she can't find the right times to get in her comments or if somebody says what she's going to say so then she has to change it and then it sounds super generic um I can't imagine what it's like um and definitely then being live of course because they just recently went live um as well so I'm sure she's nervous I'm sure she finds it difficult to try to get words in with a three man booth I've never been a fan of the three-man booths. I think I think the best three-man booth ever was Tony, Mike Tanay, and Bobby Heenan. Um, by far. I mean, where they all just clicked and they all got their stuff in and it just made sense. I don't think we're ever going to get to that again. Um, but, but listening to her is so bad. And speaking of listening to people on the announce team that are really bad... As bad as Beth Phoenix is. Uh, Britt Baker. Holy shit, Britt Baker. Could you be, one, any more quiet? And two, when you weren't quiet, you made me wish that you were quiet. I mean, we didn't get any kind of insight into anything with her and Priestley. She said a bunch of generic shit when she did talk. Um, we talked about they, she talked about how long she was in school for, which was, I guess, primitive information, and it, she tied it in nicely with the um, wrestling aspect of it, saying that she didn't want to have to wait eight years to achieve her wrestling dream, dream like she waited eight years to achieve her dentistry. Um, so, like, literally, that was her best line. Everything else was. You know how Vince says that watching Charlie Haas is like watching paint dry? Well, listening to Britt Baker is like listening to paint dry. And that's not even possible. That's how bad it was. It was so bad. Um, nitpicks, nitpicks. 
Um, let's see, let's see. A lot of people are complaining about the fact that when Ambrose attacked um, Omega in the three-on-three match for the main event, that it should have been a DQ. And I'm telling everyone that it wasn't called a DQ because Omega was not the legal man in the ring. Matt Jackson was the legal man. So, why would the ref ring the bell when Ambrose didn't touch Matt Jackson? That's how it's always been. I don't understand why people don't get that. Um, I don't think they did it for storyline reasons. I think they did it because that was the little... that's, That's the concept. They literally continued with the match, debuted this new stable thing that Tony Khan alluded to. Um, but yeah, there's a reason why the match continued, because nothing illegal happened. Moxley attacked the dude that wasn't in the match. That's the best way you can describe it. It's the same concept as um, someone running down and pulling a tag team tag team member off the apron before they get the hot tag. Same thing. They don't ever disqualify them. So, I don't know why. I mean, because it was in the ring, I guess a lot of people are saying, why wasn't it DQ'd and Omega was on the outside of the ring? And maybe I could buy that, but still doesn't change the fact that he wasn't the legal man. Therefore, match still continues. So, um, not really a nitpick on my part. Um, nitpick from everybody else, but I just don't agree with the hate that that moment seems to have gotten for some reason. I don't get it. Hmm. Okay. So, right after this, when I come back from break, I am going to, uh, tell you what I liked from both shows and uh, I think I'm going to rank probably the top five matches from both shows collectively I'm going to rank the top five matches and uh, we'll also talk about the ratings and why I think um, the WWE takes NXT on the road sooner rather than later Let's go break down the best five matches overall from Wednesday night. Um, I'm going to go number five. I think I'm going to go with... Hmm, let's see. I know my five matches that I want to put in here. But I don't know the order I want to put them in. Let's see. Let's see here. We got... There's so many good matches. You had the NXT world title match. was obviously probably going to be my number one. Because I said it earlier. It was the best match of the night. So we already know Riddle and Cole is going to be number one. I would say... Number two 
Number two would probably be Pac and Paige. Um, I thought that was a really good match. Good way to protect Paige with the groin kick and everything too. That was pretty good. Um, also, a lot of people... I got in a conversation with somebody who was wondering why Paige didn't come out because they announced this tag team match I think for next week where it's Jericho and um damn Jericho and Sammy versus Dustin Rhodes and Paige and everybody was like why is Paige in the match he didn't even come out to help his friends well you gotta remember the only two people that came out that had a prior match was Cody and Sammy and they were in the opening match Adam Page got destroyed at the end of his match by getting kicked in the balls then got the black arrow red arrow whatever you want to call it and then put in the brutalizer to pass out later on in the show way later so what makes you think that Adam Page was even cleared storyline wise by doctors to come out and try to do anything or that he was even in condition to at all even if he was cleared that's why he didn't come out. It makes perfect storyline sense for Adam Page to be in this match because he's part of the elite. He's part of being the elite. And he'll be going against Jericho, who he lost that world title match to to become the first ever champion. And he wants to avenge his friends that he wasn't able to avenge on Wednesday night. It makes perfect sense for Adam Page to be in this match. Um, I know one thing, though. If he loses again, he's going to start this 0-3 for his last three matches against Jericho Page and then possibly his tag team match. So that's going to be interesting. But yes, Pac and Page is probably my second um, best match of the night. Um, I'm really debating on the Cody. Cody and Sammy. Or the Nyla and Riho. Because Nyla and Riho was really good. Way better. Way better than the NXT women's title match. Not even close. Um, I think I'm going to go... I think I'm going to go Nyla and Riho in the third. Sammy and Cody for four. And in fifth place, I think I'll go Undisputed versus Street Profits for the tag titles. Um, actually, you know what? No, I'll go six man. I'll go the six man for the main event for AEW. It was better than the tag match. The Young Bucks and Kenny versus Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz. I'll go with that as my top five. Honorable mention to the NXT tag team title match, though. Um, really excited to see what both shows bring for next week. And right after this break, I'll be going over the ratings for both shows. But first, I have to tell you guys about this sweet website called Sleefs.com. Sleefs 
designs and produces custom compression gear everything from arm and leg sleeves to headbands bandanas t-shirts and jerseys sleeves carries over 200 different designs for everyone from kids to adults and now it just got even better because you can use the promo code monster 40 that's monster 40 without the vowels mnstr 40 you'll get 40 percent off your order so go to sleeves.com that's s-l-e-e-f-s.com for your active wear accessories now and use my promo code mnstr40 for 40 percent off your order now and get in your game all right guys i'm back and uh we're going to talk about these uh ratings um all right so here we go so we're going to actually pull up the ratings all right so i can make sure i get the numbers right all right so the series premiere of all elite wrestling's dynamite on tnt came out on top against wb's nxt on usa network in the wednesday night ratings Dynamite averaged a 0.68 rating in adults 18 to 49 and 1.4 million viewers over two hours compared to a 0.32 rating and 891,000 viewers for NXT. So essentially, they did double of what NXT did. Now, what I don't understand is um, the fact that WWE, who always said that this is not a war, and AEW, who always said this is not a war, this is a war, everybody's going back and forth, what is it, which one, um, funny thing is that the reports are that Cody and everybody in AEW did not have NXT on in the back room, why would they, you're helping the rating technically if you do, um, and the fact that WWE sent out a statement congratulating AEW and then saying it's a marathon not a sprint what is the war the war that you're saying is not valid that everyone is saying it's not a war you're just implying you just literally implied in your statement that it was a war and we all know it's a war like as fans we know but the funny thing is, is now, by not saying it, they are saying it. Just like Kenny Omega did in the Being the Elite episode. He uh, he made it a war by saying it's not a war. Kenny Omega said nobody in NXT could touch him, basically, is what he said. And that they would all be in the first or second opening matches while he was on the main event on any show that they were on. He said it can't be a war when no one can touch him. And by saying that, it makes it a war. And he's a genius. Loved it. It was one of the best Omega promos I've seen. And he's he's a decent promo. A lot of people don't like his little quips and his facial expressions and stuff like that. But I don't mind him. And I think um, that one and the Moxley one, when he finds out Moxley got hurt, are two of the better promos um, in the last couple of years. Um... So the official statement says, Congratulations to AEW on a successful premiere. 
The real winners of last night's head-to-head telecasts of NXT on USA Network and AEW on TNT are the fans, who can expect Wednesday nights to be a competitive and wild ride, as this is a marathon, not a one-night sprint. Yeah. Good job acknowledging the fact that it's a war. Also, good job acknowledging that AEW exists for the WWE fans that did not know. So, good job putting that statement out there that's only going to help AEW in the future weeks. Now, both shows had debuts or returns or whatever. Um, NXT had Finn Balor and Tommaso Ciampa, who I love both guys. I do. I really do. They're both awesome. Both got great merch, great looks, great uh, characters. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that they are charismatic, but their characters are really good. Um, Have you ever heard Finn Balor do a promo? Um, There's a reason why most of his promos are short. He's not a a great promo. Let's be real. He's got a great character in the demon, Finn Balor. And Ciampa has a great character in being the psycho or whatever, but he doesn't require much talking to be this character, which is cool, but I don't feel like they have that much charisma. Like, everybody thinks they're really good. And they're good wrestlers, yes. I got in an argument with somebody. Um, oh, shocking, I know. A wrestling argument on social media. Um, because they said that the two return slash debuts on NXT were far better than the two that were on AEW. And this is in reference to Moxley coming back early from injury and showing up. And of course, Jake Hager, who was formerly Jack Swagger in WWE. And I responded with, I don't think so. In my opinion, Moxley and Swagger, or Hager rather, I'm gonna have to get used to saying his real name, Hager and Moxley combined overall are better than Finn Balor and Ciampa, and here's why. This guy was a WWE mark who was making the argument and said that that they were better. Now, in his grand scheme of things, He's thinking Tommaso Ciampa was former NXT champion. Finn Balor was former NXT champion. Finn Balor had the Universal title for a whole day. That's great. Ciampa had the NXT tag titles with Gargano. Uh, Finn Balor, I believe, had a mid-card title in WWE. US, Intercontinental, something. Maybe both, even. That's great. Good for them. However... John Moxley has more charisma in his one body than both of those two on NXT do in their entire bodies combined. John Moxley is a deathmatch legend, better promo than all the other three guys that we're talking about, had way more world title wins on WWE. J- Jake Hager had a world title win on WWE. Jake Hager had tag team titles with Cesaro. He had the U.S. title. Moxley had the Intercontinental title, the U.S. title, tag titles. In the grand scheme of your your vision of who is better, how could you possibly say that two guys, one who's never left NXT and one who just came back to NXT, are better than two guys that left WWE? Oh, his exact words were two guys that couldn't hack it. Moxley and Hager both left WWE. Left. 
by themselves. They didn't get fired because they couldn't hack it. They left because they were tired of it. They were tired of getting fucking held down. You had a guy that was in mid-card status floating around getting held down. He left. You had a guy in main event status who felt like he was being held down from main event status. He thought he was better than that and left. So it wasn't that they couldn't hack it. It's that they were looking for something better. And I believe they found it. And I believe that Hager and Moxley are both collectively better than Finn Balor and Ciampa. Now, we can argue wrestling all day long, but you gotta remember, Jake Hager not only is an actual wrestler, amateur wrestler, and MMA fighter. John Moxley is one of the best promos, and he's a really good wrestler. Finn Balor, amazing wrestler, yes. Ciampa, a good wrestler. I think he has had, when it's time to show up in the big matches, he has insane matches, obviously, with Gargano, for instance. But out of the four wrestlers, can we really say Ciampa isn't fourth? I believe he is fourth in wrestling ability. And now he's going to be even more limited because we don't know how his neck is going to um, react when he comes back. He's going to have to be brought in slowly, even though they try to build him up with the with the Adam Cole at the end of the show. So are they going to have a three-way to try to protect him from doing more stuff that he would be doing in a one-on-one match? Because I, I dig a triple threat match with Adam Cole, Finn Balor, and Ciampa, don't get me wrong. But to say that Finn Balor are far better Finn Balor and Ciampa are far better than Moxley and Swagger. You gotta be fucking blind. Or just not know anything about wrestling. Not only are they not better in the New Japan indie sense. I don't think, I know for a fact they're not better in the WWE sense. Because Ciampa's never even made it to the fucking main roster. So how could you possibly say that when you got two former world champions over here. And a former world champion that had a a one-day reign, actually less than 24-hour reign because he got hurt, and Ciampa, who's never been promoted past NXT. And now I assume that it's not considered a promotion anymore because NXT is building their third brand, but we are talking about before because Ciampa just came back. So when Ciampa was there, it was considered a developmental brand. I don't give a fuck what your opinions on it are now, per se, It might not be now, but it was then when he was the champ. So, with that being said, the two debuts on AEW, in my opinion, were far better than the two that were on NXT. Okay, so we're back, and uh, we're getting down to the end of the show, and I just wanted to talk about one last thing that's kind of important, and that's the future possibility of big changes in NXT. Now, of course, we don't know how the draft is going to play out. The draft is between Raw and SmackDown, but we've already seen Finn Balor go to NXT. Could we possibly see people in the draft go to NXT as well to build up the roster even more to compete with AEW? That's one thing. Two... If they keep getting killed by double the rating, how long 
before we see NXT on the road. Yes, we know they're getting the extra ad revenue from broadcasting on USA Network. Um, or in this case, station revenue, I guess. But I'm sure they're getting extra ad revenue as well. Um, but how long before USA says this isn't working? Or how long before, like I said, they take it on the road? I mean, if you're thinking about it, yes, Raw and SmackDown pull big numbers. But NXT is basically a um, money pit. Does it really make that much money when you only have full sale where it seats about 300 to 500 people and AEW Dynamite, which is going head to head, has 14,000? A 14,000 live crowd versus a 300 to 500 people live crowd. You can definitely tell and notice the difference on the screen with the sound of the crowds, especially when they're super into it. And for this foreseeable future, the AEW crowds, unless something crazy happens and they get stale, which I don't think is going to happen anytime soon, these crowds are not going to be as um, fire as the AEW crowds with only 300 to 500 people. It's just not possible. So do you take a or do you take NXT on the road for the live shows? That's going to be the next biggest question, depending on how these ratings shape up for the weeks to come. Um, or do we just go back to the WWE Network and USA cancels us and we stay at full sale and it turns into a developmental thing and Finn Balor comes back to Raw or SmackDown or whatever because it was a failed experiment. All these things are possible. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, I'm excited to see what they do. I'm excited. How long does it take before NXT goes to two hours instead of one hour and 15 minutes? Um, It's just... There's just a lot of stuff going on right now. Everything is still new and fresh. And it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. I'm a fan of both. Even though it doesn't sound like it in this particular podcast. I'm sure there will be weeks where NXT destroys AEW with content. I don't know if they'll destroy them in ratings. But they they have the talent to do it. I'm really shocked that they didn't add a upcoming announcement for another Keith Lee versus... Um, Dominic match because I think that would be really good to let people know ahead of time that that match is coming up um, because that match has been amazing both times I think it was twice so far really good matches um, so let's let's see what happens in the next couple weeks super excited for round two if anything crazy happens in round two with either the ratings or the shows or anything like that best believe I will be back to make another podcast about it I think it will be um, super great for all the fans involved and love the chance that I got um, to talk about it on this podcast. It's great. Um, Made me smile like a little kid again. Um, Thankfully, I don't have to flip back and forth anymore like the old days in the 90s or late 90s rather with the uh, Raw and SmackDown. I mean, Raw and SmackDown. Raw and Nitro. And then possibly miss something. So I'm glad we live in a day and age now where everything is saved or recorded or you can get easy access to. So that's good. And it's good for wrestling fans too. Um, And I think that should also be taken into account of um, the rating system as well. AEW is fresh. Everybody want to see what they did live. 
any surprises, anything like that. NXT has been around for a while, even though they just got to live TV a few weeks ago. And um, the fact that you could watch it later, I think, helped deter some viewers from NXT to AEW. AEW doesn't have a network that will put the show up so you can watch it anytime. NXT does. I think, yeah, it has to be taken into consideration at least somewhat. So we'll see what happens next week. But thank you, everybody, for joining me for the Monster Cast, and I will see you next time. Thank you.